Welcome to episode 33 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode is going to be called Resenting Diabetes. I am uh, going to sp- you know, say, I have, why is there no real reason for me to speak like I know the language? Uh, in this episode, you're going to hear a conversation between me and a D-mom named Emily. Emily very bravely reached out and said, I, I don't hear anybody ever talking about this, and I'm wondering if anybody feels the way I do, but I am sad. I've been sad since my son was diagnosed. I find myself resenting diabetes. I resent what it's done to me and to my life and to my son. And I, um, I'd love to hear you talk about it with somebody. And then I asked her if she could be that somebody. And Emily very, very graciously said she would. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod system, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. All right, let's see if Emily is online. Says she's offline. Let us, Emily. Yes. No one's ever picked up that quickly before. How are you? I'm sorry. I'm good. No, no one's ever picked up that quickly before. You. (laughs) You surprised me. That's indicative of my nervousness. Uh, Oh, about this? Yeah. Oh, please. (laughs) There's nothing to be nervous about. Am I loud enough for you, or should I be louder? I'm fine. How am I? Oh, you're great. Okay. Crystal clear. Great. All right, see this? We're done. Now there's a little okay. talking, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing to be nervous about. Okay. Um, I don't usually like to do a big build-up, so I like to just start. Okay. Um, you can introduce yourself any way you like. You don't have to use your last name if you don't want. You don't. Have, I've already said Emily. If you don't want to use your first name, I guess I could, I'll go back and cut it out. We can call you by a pseudonym if you want. <laughs> no, no, Emily is good. Emily's good? Okay. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell me... A little bit about yourself and and how diabetes is in your life. Okay, um, my son was diagnosed September seventh last year, so it was his second week of kindergarten. He was five, mm-hmm. six now, and um, we are just starting. Well, you know, we're a month into first grade, and um, still trying to figure out how to make it work so that he is. Um, just like everyone else. <laughs> so you're just trying to find your footing still, and yeah, and it's been a year. Yes, yeah. It's difficult. I think the first year is. Um, I I know I I wrote about it a couple of times, but I had this unreasonable expectation that after year one, like it was going to be like a light switch, and then I would be okay, and I'd understand everything, and that right. clearly doesn't work that way. Right. Um, is there? Where where does the trepidation lie? Are you having issues with blood sugars or management or school or? Oh, all of it. Um, you know, both my husband and I are teachers, so um, we had the summer off, and well, my husband actually has a summer job as well. But I thought that I would figure it all out over the summer. I would figure out how to pre-bolus like a champ and have a straight line on the Dexcom and. Um, you know, there are good days, but those are so few and far between. And, um, since he's been back at school, we started, he started at a new school because we moved. I'm starting at a new job. My husband's at a new job and, um, we are, I feel like I've made no progress. (laughs) We're just still (laughs) figuring it out. So you started the summer going, this is going to be great by the time the summer is over. And then the summer ended and you're like, oh, we're in the exact same place we were when we started. what do you think stopped the summer from being the the grand uh, accomplishment that you were hoping for? Oh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if there is any one thing. Um, like I said, I, I figured out how to have some really great days, but there's so many factors that you just can't control, and those are so frustrating um, because I feel like I should be in control, right? That's my job. <laughs> yeah. Controls a is a it's probably Upward. not the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um it's like it's I think it's more like guiding a river, maybe. You know, like maybe you run up ahead a little bit and move a stone and hope it just goes a little bit to the left. Uh, you know, I I don't know that it's uh I don't know that it's something you control. So here's what I would think. Because I would bet that you chose the summer because you had time off right. and because it seemed like that would be when you'd be able to do it. But you didn't really start the summer with any new information that you didn't have the day before summer was over. Right. So that's sort of like me saying, 
you know, this weekend, because I've got two days free, I'm going to figure out how to fly a plane. <laughs> right. Because, because I don't know how to fly a plane today. And what would make me think that having time off would change that? <laughs> like, and, but I get your, I get why you did it that way. And I've certainly made similar statements to myself. I think where, where you, where everybody, where you, where you can end up kind of getting frustrated is that you do, first of all, have that parental feeling like I should know what to do. And it's my kid, and I've known what to do about everything else up until now, you know, and now this thing comes along, and I don't know what to do. Um, But you need help figuring out what that is. So for a minute, why don't we talk about that for a minute, even though that's not why you're on the show. Let's talk about it first. Do you mind going backwards? We haven't even told people why you wanted to come on the podcast yet. So. Um, so here's what I would say is, so, um, I heard the word Dexcom earlier You're using a CGM. Yes. Okay. And which version? Your G4, G5? Yes. Four. I lost you, Emily. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. G4. G4. Okay. And then what kind of insulin do you use? Humalog. Humalog. And how does the Humalog get into that? Uh, we okay. have Animus Ping. Okay. And so you're using a pump. Uh-huh. All right. Great. Well, then you've got the tools and... I guess now you just got to figure out how to swing the hammer so you don't crush your thumb. Um, That's not so bad. What's the most, um, forget school days, when you're home, what's the best time of day for you? When do you feel like you've got the best grip on things? Oh. (laughs) There's no good time, Scott. Shut up. (laughs) So, all right. So, let let me start over. You get up in the morning. He eats breakfast. You hop on the blood sugar roller coaster. It, you ride it till around twelve or one o'clock in the afternoon. Is that about what happens? Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, do we pre-bolus insulin? I tr- I really try. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm ahead of the game, and then I find out I, feel, I realize it's only you know ten minutes ahead of time. Right. Um, and where you know I'm trying to be, especially right now, he's sort of running high. This he's got a cold since last week, and so I've been shooting for 20 to 30 minutes, and it's still never a perfect science with our just life. <laughs> are you using? Are, are using? That was such an odd word. Are you? Are you eating foods that I might consider to be difficult to control in, in even the best situations, or or no? Like, what's an average breakfast? Um, he always well an average breakfast. Yeah, sometimes I know that you're you're not you, you don't love the cereal idea, and sometimes we do that, but it's it's rare. It's it is probably more difficult um, because we eat in a dining hall a lot, so okay. there are so many choices. Okay, and um, you know if there's French toast, <laughs> that's what he's gonna have. That's what he's shooting for then. Um, and then so that's hard to pre-bolus for because you're even if you yes. gave him insulin 15 minutes before you walked in, you don't right. you still don't know what he's gonna pick, so you can't go throw in. 80 carbs in and then have him walk in and go, boy, today I really just would like to have an apple and a little yogurt. <laughs> well, the good thing is he's an awesome eater. He will eat more than he ever, you know, okay. I have to stop him from eating. Right. Um, but so I do pre-bolus before we leave the house, um, I guess, you know, just a, a brand, uh, usually like 30 or 40 carbs. Right. And then I add on to it when we get there. Um, but no matter what, he goes to school and I'm watching the numbers and it's creeping up and up. And so. Uh, what about, on, so what about on the weekend? Is that still the same? Um, situation for breakfast yeah sometimes um yeah i guess it's hard to say i feel like it's just a different adventure every day (laughs) so i think maybe what i would do is is i would take saturday for instance this is a wednesday right and and i would i would consider on saturday making some sort of a lower carb breakfast just Mm -hmm. so the whole day doesn't get away from you so you're not chasing the day around and that could be i don't know if he likes like scrambled eggs or mm-hmm. bacon, um, but, you know, or that kind of thing. So if you just want, if you just went scrambled eggs, bacon, you know, gave him a piece of toast and I don't know, yogurt or some fruit or something like that. Now we're talking about the eggs have no carbs. The bacon has no carbs. Okay. The bread does. And, and maybe, you know, just my random choice of yogurt does, but now you're eating around 40 carbs for breakfast, but still having a big breakfast. Right. And so if you were to, if you were to set your sights on that, for an example, and I don't know how much, you know, bacon and, and eggs and toast and yogurt mm-hmm. is going to be based on what, which brands you use. But I'm guessing in my mind, 40, 45 carbs. 
And then I always just give a little extra in the morning because it's the morning. So I would probably, I would probably, if Arden was going to have a piece of toast and a yogurt this morning, along with eggs and bacon, I'd probably bolus. It would be, in my mind, it's 40 or 45 carbs. I'm throwing on another five because she probably dips the bacon in like, pancake syrup and then that you know so i'm just gonna i'm going 60 carbs on that idea and i would try to pre-bolus it as far ahead as i could using the dexcom right so you know if if she woke up and her blood sugar was 120 i'd be comfortable pre-bolusing that meal 20 minutes beforehand maybe even a little more but 20 would probably be the be the outset but if her blood sugar was 180 um I'd give her the 60 carbs plus the correction for 180 as soon as 30 to 35 minutes before I thought she was going to eat Okay. and try to get her to a spot where the blood sugar is falling near a hundred when the food starts happening. Yeah. That would be my goal. Yeah. Um, this is, it's like one fifteen now. So Arden texted me at 1225 today from school. Her CGM said 93. I did not ask her to test because it's been really accurate so far today with every other test we've had. We bolused a lot of insulin for Arden, five units, all at once, even though she wasn't going to leave her classroom for lunch for 15 minutes. Okay. And because she was st- she was 92 and we used a big bolus, I, you know, the last thing I said to her in the text was like, you know, hustle to the lunchroom and start eating. Mm-hmm. So she has been as low as 78 in the last... 45 minutes, but is 92 right now. The arrow's never not been steady. She just kind of drifted down a little and, and drifted back up again. That's a beautiful thing. In, <laughs> and so it, it's the pre-bolus, right? So if if I have her text me from the lunchroom at 1240 instead of 1225 from her science class, and I give her that same five units, I would think that by now her blood sugar would be more like 180 and rising. Right. And so to me, like, that's the whole thing. But you got to practice that at home, obviously. That's why I said yeah. start on a Saturday. And so say, say you get through the breakfast with, with not as much of a problem as normal, then just keep after it. Then lunchtime, pre-bolus, you know, and, and, and just continue on throughout the day with these pre-boluses. Also, if, if you're significantly pre-bolusing and still getting crazy spikes, then I would assume either you're having food that is really difficult to manage, um, that maybe Humalog isn't the best insulin for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I mean, that's, or, or your, or your insulin to carb ratios or your, or your, um, your background insulin's not set up correctly. Right. Right. Do you have a feeling like your slow, his slow acting insulin or his, um, background insulin, his basal rates are, do you feel like they're good? Like when he's not eating, is he steady and where you want him to be? Um, uh, they can be certainly. Um, I think, I've played around with him a little bit since he started school because mm-hmm. he was going low right after lunch. Um, but other than that, I think that they're in good shape good. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Then, then food choices <clears throat> and pre-bolusing and, and, and spend the weekend with it and, and mm-hmm. see, and see where you're going. Now, I don't know how you're going to manage a pre-bolus at school. I don't know what your setup is. And he is only six. If Arden right. was six, I wouldn't pump five units of insulin into her 15 minutes before lunch. Right. Right. So, um, you know, but maybe there's ways to, maybe there's ways to do that. You know, if, how does, so how does he contact you for insulin before lunch or do they just take care of it on their own? Yeah. So they take care of it. Um, they're wonderful. Uh, but he goes to the nurse, um, about 20 minutes before lunch mm-hmm. and she has the carb count in his meter. Um, and so she enters the carb count with his blood sugar reading and, and, um, bolus is that way. It's funny. I have been trying to get her to do it a little earlier because he's been running high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today she sent me an email. <laughs> You'll get a kick out of this actually. Um, saying that, let me just grab it. Cause I think you will be, am- am- I don't know if amused is the right word, oh, but let's see. Let's see what um, happens. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm drinking hot tea for the first time while I'm doing the podcast. This is my yeah. first hot tea podcast. Uh-huh. I don't know if that means anything. I'm honored. Mm. <laughs> okay. Thank you. The, um, He says, the iPhone is showing his BG at 279 right now, and BG was 248 at snack, so I think I will just bolus him at the regular time for lunch, 1145. Yeah, 250 is fine. I I wrote her right. 
I wrote her back and I said, if you don't mind and have the time, I really think it would help to get his insulin in a few minutes earlier. <laughs> so, uh, and so what's the goal? What's your blood sugar range that you're hoping to be at? Oh my, I don't, I mean, I want him between 70 and 150 like anyone else. Right. And that's, like, you know, I just feel like school nurses, this is our second school nurse because it's our second school since he was diagnosed. Yep. They just really want to err on the side of caution, and I understand that um, they're so much happier when there's nothing around 100 or below, you know? Um, she will treat him when he's in the 70s and 80s, and I'm trying to get her not to do that, but it's hard to it's hard to work with a nurse who's so accommodating, um, you know, and try and correct the things that... that you don't like the way they do it because they're so wonderful. So you, you know? have this you have this great person who really yes. is gung-ho and wants to help except her her parameters are completely different than what you want them to be. Yeah, we have them on paper and she has had students with diabetes before and um I think that you know, it's just it's I think it's going to be sort of a slow process of getting her to be on the same page with us as far as being OK with lower numbers. Yeah, she needs to change her expectations, because I think what happens to them is, um, first of all, they we call it erring on the side of caution. They don't want kids to have seizures at school. That's what right. they're shooting to, to avoid. It, they're willing to completely. I don't know what the, I, they're, they're willing to exchange no seizures for bad health. <laughs> Right. And, and because they do this thing where they're like, well, I've had kids come here through here before and they're all fine. They're all still alive. Yeah. And, 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 and you want to say, well, like, can we get into a time machine and go ahead 40 years and see if that's all worked out really well? Because this is not something we should be measuring in the short term on the high side of the blood sugar. We should be measuring the low side of the blood sugar in the short term, day to day, moment to moment. We're not too low. We're not dizzy, um, falling, you know, in a frightening way or, or unconscious. But you don't measure the high blood sugars today because obviously Arden could walk around all day with her blood sugar at 200 and she'd probably look okay to everybody. Yeah. But, you know, but that's not okay. And and so I think that's a conversation you get to have with her and, and, and tell her like, look, you know, I'm thrilled about you. You're fantastic. Everything's great. But we've got to change our expectations for his blood sugar. I, I can't let him keep coming to school and having his blood sugar be this high. Right. You, you know, and that's that's not probably easy to do, but, you know. It's not the worst thing in the world. No. It's, you know, I would, I would definitely, and do it over the phone. It's easier if you don't have to look at her. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So, but, but you're having these same struggles, whether he's at school or he's at home, they're, they're very similar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how is this affecting you personally? Because this is why you contacted me, isn't it? Yeah. I've. I've been having a really hard time the past probably, I would say, two months. And a lot of that probably has to do with the transition of we moved to a new place and we started new jobs. And um, I've also switched from part-time to, I'm sorry, from full-time to part-time. Mm -hmm. um, the part-time was something that made sense for the family, given that, again, my goal was to take better care of my son right. and figure it out. Um, but, uh, it's not what I want personally. Yeah. You know, I'm, um, I really love my career and I spent the last eight years having two children, um, and growing in my career while having infants, I, you know, I, and young children. And so now it's, you know, diabetes comes around and I'm like, it's, it's harder than it was you know, nursing babies. Yeah, it's like it's like having a perpetual newborn. It just oh, the the diabetes always seems like it needs something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, uh, and and you've been kind of so. Let's go backwards a little bit before we before we keep going forward. So you met me kind of technically way before I met you, right? <laughs> Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. So I so let me make sure I remember this correctly. So. I was in Connecticut speaking at a JDRF annual meeting. And I think I met you when I looked up and you were after I spoke and there was, there was, by the way, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but there were a lot of people standing in line waiting to talk to me. I felt there pretty, was. I, I felt pretty, <laughs> felt pretty special there in that, in that couple of moments. Um, but so there were people coming up and talking and then you came up and you had, was it a, you had a book, right? No, no, that wasn't. Uh, was that not? I might have. No, okay. I don't know. So, so, but, but you came, you came up, and and you were like one of the first people in public to say to me, 
I, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> I was like, no, you don't. No one listens to that podcast. That's ridiculous. And even though I can see numbers and I do know people listen to it, it it's not a feeling. It's not a real feeling. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like when you, yeah. when you throw an episode up and you're like, oh, wow, so far, like a thousand people have listened. And that's like really exciting. But you don't think of it as you don't think of it as real people for some reason. Yeah. I don't know exactly why. Um, and so we met kind of right there for a minute, and you you really made me feel good about the podcast and gave me a lot of energy to keep going with it, by the way, which I oh. never I never really told you, but thank you. Okay. Um, and then not too long ago, you kind of reached out and you said, like, I've been kind of feeling down about diabetes, and I'd love it if you talked about it on the podcast. And then I did that thing that I do sometimes where I was like, well, why don't you come on the podcast and talk <laughs> about it? But this was more delicate than that. So... Um, first of all, I think people should give you a ton of credit for wanting to do this. And uh, can can you kind of tell me, is it how is it manifesting itself most days? Are you do you feel sad or is it hard to get motivated about it? Or how would you describe it? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the times, you know, it's just life day to day. You get through it. But there, I've lately just been experiencing more than I had been. This feeling of um, just real frustration at the ways in which diabetes is limiting me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be because he's younger. Um, I also have a four-year-old girl. Um, and I, I've, on top of that, he's a trooper. He is such a strong kid, and he has taken this in amazing stride. And then there are moments when he when he struggles and those moments because he is so strong usually just kill me they yeah. just um devastate me because i don't see them coming and it's um it's just really hard to handle as a mom you know um well, so for instance i'll give you an example yeah, yeah. we um were trying to change a site. I was trying to change a site for him one night and I should never do it at bedtime. And I know that now, but it was, it was just having, having to happen at, in the evening one night. And he was, he was really putting up a fight about it. He was scared. Um, he's usually not, he usually can handle it pretty well. He doesn't love it, but he was really putting up a fight because of this fear. And I got so frustrated because I, you know, I wanted bedtime to be moving along and, um, I think I sort of, I I raised my voice at him and he got upset because I raised my voice. And so we calmed down. I sat with him and I said, you know, if I could go back five minutes ago, I wouldn't have gotten so angry. I would have been more patient with you. And I said to him, if you could go back five minutes ago, what would you have done differently? And I expected him to say I would have listened better or cooperated. But instead he starts crying and he said, I would find a way to not have diabetes. Yeah. And... And then that's it's just moments like those that are um you don't see them coming, and you don't know that they're there that they're good that that's what's happening in their head yeah well if it, it I'll share something with you and that maybe will make you feel a little better so mm-hmm. um I don't remember exactly what age it was, but I think it was around Arden's fourth birthday that my sister in law came to me and said, "Hey, I think you should know." that Arden's telling people that she's um, going to wish for her diabetes to go away on her birthday and she's expecting it to go away on her birthday. Mm. And, and as crushing as that was to hear that from somebody <clears throat> to sit a four year old down and explain to them that their diabetes is not going to go away on their birthday, no matter how much they wish it would mm-hmm. is probably if I'm lucky, it's going to be the worst thing that I've ever lived through because it was it was pretty terrible. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine something else being worse than those those minutes of my wife and I sitting and, and having that discussion with Arden. I, I would tell you that since then, a couple times a year, like Arden will have a, some sort of a, like a, I guess a breakdown would be a good way to put it. They're very much more mature than you would expect kids her age to, do, to to be like it's not a screaming yelling like meltdown it's it's like a real conversation about i don't want to have diabetes i can't take this i don't want this anymore like why did this happen to me like all those thoughts you, you just didn't imagine like a little kid could have you mm-hmm. know and um one time she told me that she'd rather we, we have a friend who's um child's autistic 
and she told me she'd rather have autism than diabetes. And she told me that that she thought that because it, at least this this little boy doesn't he's not scared of dying. That, oh. that, that that's what she told me. And so, yeah, that's pretty terrible. Um, yeah. But what I would say to you, because now it's happened to me more times than I can count and more times than it's happened to you, is that not unlike other aspects of living with diabetes, as crazy as it sounds, it doesn't hurt as much the 10th time as it does the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, So you're just very early on in this whole process. Um, I think that getting blood sugars to where you want them to be or being more prepared for when you know, one of those like blindsiding meltdowns comes, I hate to say it, but the more it happens, the better you'll be at dealing with it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that that's a, that's obviously a long-term fix that you're not, it, that's not great news. It's not a, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a light switch, you know, for today, right. but it definitely, I think it's, it's an over the horizon thought that, that you can, that you can hold on to a little bit moving forward. I mean, no one told me, that I wasn't going to be as devastated the fifth time as I was the first time, but I, I wish somebody would have told me. So I think that's why I'm telling you. Okay. You, you know, it really is. It, and, and as you're making that adjustment on your end, they're also making adjustments on their end. So what you're seeing now is like, you know, it's like a, like a, an emotional, you know, falling apart moment. I don't think they're going to come quite as furiously in the future. I don't say that they won't come. As a matter of fact, they probably will, and it'll probably get mixed in with adolescence and everything else. It'd be a whole completely right. different oh, disaster. Um, <laughs> I'm actually doing an, um, I'm an interview next week uh, with a girl in her 20s who's had diabetes since she was a kid, and I'm really excited to kind of talk about that time in her life with her so parents can listen in and, and hear how she made it through and, and what happened to her from the kid's side. But, yeah. but, um, but I think that's the same. I think it's all the same idea. Like I think the more it happens... I don't want to say you get numb to it because the last time Arden said, I wish I didn't have diabetes, I certainly wasn't numb to it, but I did handle it better, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, internally, not, not in the moment, you know, in the moment you, you swallow hard and do your best, but, but I mean, internally, like it didn't, it didn't send me away, like with my head down and, right. um, you know, a number of years ago I was putting Arden to bed and, uh, she just asked me out of the blue what she was going to do when she went to college. She's like, how am I going to take care of overnight when I'm in college? And then I felt sad instantly that my little, my little girl was even worried about something that was going to happen that long from now, you know? And I, and I told her something that I didn't even believe at the time. I said, you know, you're going to have a plan for this just like I do now. And the part I was thinking was, is my plan is, is pretty, pretty shaky to be honest. But, but, you know, like I'm sure by then I'll figure it out and I'll be able to pass it on to you. I said, you'll have a plan just like I do now. And it'll be fine, you know, and you'll have friends at school and, you know, and, and it's going to be okay. And I was trying to be tough, and but I was getting choked up and the room was dark and she kind of couldn't see me. And then she says, well, if I have trouble, can I call you? <laughs> and then I almost cried right there. Like I was like biting on my lip, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, you could call me anytime. It's going to be fine. And I gave her a hug and I was like, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. I barely made it three steps into the hallway before I started crying. And then I went into the bedroom and, um, my wife was in there and I probably cried for like 20 minutes. Like I had broken down in a way that I hadn't in years over diabetes, you know? And, um, to be perfectly honest, at the end of crying, I felt better, <laughs> you know? So, um, I think you got to let it out once in a while. Right. It certainly is. It certainly is. Later this week, I'm going to, I'm going to record like a standalone, um, episode where I just kind of talk about a couple of things. And, and one of the things I want to talk about is, uh, sleep and how difficult it is to get like decent sleep when you're the caregiver of a person who has type one, because I, I genuinely think, you can't give away the overnight hours. It's a third of the day. You know, you can't have a great blood sugar, you know, in the morning and in the afternoon and the evening. And then from 10 p.m. till 7 a.m. just think, well, I don't, you know, if it's high, it's high. Like, so I try to keep it balanced overnight, too. And I think that's a, a big hunk of how Arden's A1C stays where it is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I am a person and I do really need to sleep. But you get into that like moment where you're like, well, what's more important, me sleeping or her blood sugar? And I think, well, her blood sugar is more important. And then that starts me down a path of me giving away myself to do better with this. 
And, right. and I can't stop myself from doing that. And at the same time, I can't allow myself to, to kill myself in the, in the, in the pursuit of that. And so it is a very crazy, strange balance. So I, I think you need to, you've got to look for that balance that we're all looking for too, where you take care of yourself, but you're taking care of, you're taking care of your son in a way that is good for his short term and long term health. And for your, you know, if for you mentally to be able to get up every day and go to work and say, I'm not ignoring something that one day is going to rear its head in a really terrible way. And, and now I'm trading some happiness today for, you know, you know, medical problems and, and a personal feeling of failure in the future. Well, um, that's, I mean, to be honest, that's where I get resentful is I want to be my own person. I, you know, I always wanted to be a mom and I love being a mom and there's nothing I would trade for it. But I also love going to work and being an adult because they're at school now and I have to leave my classroom to take calls from the nurse and that's okay. I'm used to it. My students are used to it. They know I say school nurse and I walk out and they get it. But then I sometimes feel like, I, why, why can't I focus sometimes more on and, and that's not the way I want to put it. I'm not sure how to put it. I just, I guess I get, I get resentful towards diabetes for not allowing me to be a person that, my own person, yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, because there's a person you are and a person you want to be. Yeah. And, and there's this disease standing in front of you that's that's impeding your way. And, 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 it, and it's doing so through your son, which is worse, because now that even though you're not resentful of your child, it's still, right. it's still there. It's, it's, you know, he's the he's the physical embodiment of the diabetes in some ways. And, and it's just, it's, it's stressful and overwhelming. I, I guess I would, I don't know if this is the same thing, but this is what it occurs to me to say to you right now. I, um, I, uh, I wrote a book a couple of years ago about being a a parent, about, about being a stay at home dad. And, um, and it, it gave me a chance to reflect back on my life. Like, you know, sit down and really think about things. And there was this moment where I just thought being, I've been a stay at home dad for like 16 years. So when I first started, it just occurred to me that like, I would just not like, you know, I'd get up in the morning and put clothes on the kids and I'd wash the laundry and buy food at the store and cook the food. And just, if I didn't kill him, like good day, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, so I'll drop him on something. Yep. I, I think I've worked this out. If he's, you know, if he's, um, he didn't walk out into traffic. Somebody didn't snatch him. You know, I showed him the outside once or twice, threw a ball to him. It's me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a parent. Um, and I really did want to be a parent. Like, I'm not one of those guys who was just like, oh, she wants a baby. Okay. Like, I, I've always thought of myself as uh, being a parent one day. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of all in to begin with. And then I don't exactly know how long it was, but there was a moment when I recognized that my wife would have probably put such a different effort into my children than naturally, than I'm naturally doing. And then I sort of just doubled down and, and I thought, well, I've got to do more. Like, I can't just be like, I'm not just the, the porter for this kid. Like I'm supposed to be his father. I'm not just like shuttling him through the day. I'm supposed to be experiencing it with him. And that's when I started doing different things and looking at things differently. And, um, and as I did that, I started getting exhausted because I was also trying to keep like a work life going like from home. And, you know, there were movies I, and it sounds so trite, but I used to be such a big <laughs> movie person. Like I loved going to the movies, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so each day I felt like I was like carving a little bit of myself away and giving it away in service of being a better parent. And then I got, I, it, it felt resentful, just like you're, you're describing and then I think there was just this moment when I decided that this parenting aspect of my life isn't an aspect of my life. It is who I am. And at least for the next 18 years, this kid deserves for me to put my full effort into him. And I deserve to feel good about that. And so I looked for little things like moments in between you know, in, in between the big beats in life where I take real like solace from, like where I find my love and, and my, my, 
what it means for me to be alive and, and, and what it is that I'm trying to give back to my family and, and at the same time feel good enough about it that I don't feel like I'm giving away a part of myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any formula to getting to that, honestly, but it is a decision I feel like I made consciously at some point. Like I'm going to start seeing the value in what I'm doing um, personally so that I don't feel like I've shut off one part of my life to take good care of my son. Mm-hmm. And so now when people ask me, I've, I, I'm a published author. I've written a book. My diabetes blog has been online for eight years. I'm really proud of it. I started up a podcast. It's been pretty successful. Um, I just got a email today and asked if I'd pitch a bunch of stories to this, this online thing. I could easily tell you that I'm a writer Um, and I could easily tell you that I'm a blogger. I guess there's a lot of things, but when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a stay at home dad. Mm -hmm. It's the first natural (laughs) thing that comes to me to say when somebody asks, what do you do? Um, it's, you know, except on my taxes where I list myself as retired because I think it's funny. Um, but, (laughs) but I really, I really take, I don't know. there's not a lot of words for it, but I feel like I've said it already. Like you have to be able to do something for your family and just the act of that happening has, that's got to satiate you. Um, and, and then I find once I made that commitment to myself and to them, then I, I did change as a person, but in really good ways, you know, all those things about myself that I described to you, those happened years after, after I made that decision when my son was born and back then, if you would have asked me what I did for a living, like, who are you? I would have said, Oh, I'm a graphic designer. Cause that's what I did before I stayed home, you know, but I don't think of myself as a graphic designer. I think of myself as a stay at home dad, but in a very happy way. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, I, I don't think of it as sad, but you know, like I, I don't like the grocery store or having to go to it, but I don't mind it because I know it's, you know, it's a big part of what I do. It's ridiculous, but I think of the dishes that way. And the only thing I can't get over is the laundry. I really, really, (laughs) I really detest doing the laundry. Um, And it's not the doing of it. I think it's the folding that I really, I hate. I hear the ad music. You want to do what you want to do without worrying, including all those fun fall activities. Omnipod can help. You get continuous insulin delivery. And it's waterproof, so you don't have to disconnect for daily activities. Even better, it's totally discreet, with no tubing to tangle or to dictate what you wear. That's pretty great. The best way to understand Omnipod is to try it for yourself, so get a free demo kit, including a sample non-functioning pod, by going to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo and see what you think. There's absolutely no obligation. You know, the Omnipod is so simple to use and to fill and to put on. I I don't even know a good way to explain to you how easy it is to do, other than to say this. I think there should be an Olympics for putting on an Omnipod insulin pump because I could win. I could finally gold medal in something. I'm pretty sure that I can take off, fill, prime, put on, and start up an Omnipod in... I don't want to just, I don't want to overblow, but I bet you under two minutes I could do it. Um, it really is so easy that this past weekend I was out of town and you'll be hearing me talk about this in a future episode very, very soon. But I was out of town. Arden was on her own. She had to do a pod change while I was gone. And, you know, in the time it took me to text her and said, Hey, now's the time I want you to change your pod. Um, until she got back to me and said it was done, had to have been less than five minutes and she's 11. Um, it really is a huge part of how I handle Arden's uh, type 1 diabetes management. It, it's not something I feel like we would do well without. So you remember right before the ad started, I was talking to Emily about um, my experience as being a stay-at-home dad and how I sort of gave myself over to the process. And then I asked her, well, I'm getting ready to ask her if she thinks that's something she could do. But um, do you think that's something that, that you could find balance with? Yeah, I hope so. I, I guess having moved to part-time um, and just, I, I, I wish that I felt like I had chosen that, but I feel like I, I think I felt like I had to do it um, just to, to help us do better for him. And um, 
I guess, you know, I, I did make that choice to a certain extent, but I chose it because of diabetes and not, I don't know if I'm being clear on that. I guess it's just, no, you are. And, and yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I, I certainly don't want to stick a, a stick into a hornet's nest here and you don't have to answer me if you don't want, but is there part of you who thinks like, I don't, why, why was this on me? Why did my husband not go part-time? You know, I don't really. I, I thought that question might come because um, I am that kind of person. Who mm-hmm. <laughs> wants, I, I, you know, there's a lot of other things that I would I give him a hard time on, but this is not one of them because I think I've sort of taken voluntarily taken ownership of this. I, I spend a whole lot of my time being, being part of the online community, going to you know support groups um, for diabetes. This is something that I'm that I've definitely taken on. Oh. Um, on purpose. Right. And, um, so I'm not resentful to him for that. I think I'm, I, my resentment really is at the disease. Yeah. Um, and I do hope that passes. I don't think my son is aware of it at all. And I'm glad for that. Um, because it's definitely something that happens, you know, after he goes to bed and I just get <laughs> frustrated with whatever happens. Well, how do you deal with the frustration? Do you um, punch something, yell at something, go outside and I, I mean, I feel like I'm doing a lot of good things. I just finished, I just ran a half marathon this past weekend. I raised money for JDRF. That was nice. um, an awesome training process and really good for me to be healthy and, you know, have my own time every day. Excellent. Um, you know, like I said, I go to the support groups. I'm, I I think that there are things that I do to take care of myself just fine. Um, but then that's why I guess in the past month or so, I've still been like, what am I not doing right? <laughs> you know? Right. And so, and so more recently <laughs> it's gotten overwhelming because the, it, it, is there, sh- are the times between you're feeling bad? Are they shortening or are you feeling bad more often than you're feeling good at this point? And have you talked to your husband about it at all? Yeah, no, we definitely talk about it. Yeah. I guess I think I need to, I think I need to deal with the fact that when um, I, I feel like it's my responsibility so much so that when his blood sugars are not great or when something is not going well for him, I it just I, I, it crushes me. I feel like I've failed. Yeah, sure. And that feeling when that happens, I am I'm lost. I just don't know how to bounce back from that feeling of failure. Um, we had this awesome professional development um, speaker come and talk about happiness and just how to have more happiness in your day-to-day life with positive thinking and all sorts of, you know, touchy-feely positive stuff. It's starting to feel like bolty, right? So one of the mantras that came out of that, that that everyone around us in our workplace has been adopting is that, um, you know, you're allowed to be human. You have to give yourself permission to be human. You make a mistake, you say, okay, I'm human, I make mistakes. Right. I hear that and I say, no, if I make a mistake, my son pays for it, you know? Yeah, so uh, it's something you can buy into in every other walk of your life except for this one specific place. Yes, and that makes me so angry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Again, because it's, it's, it's being thrust upon you through him and, and it, it, there's so many aspects to it. Well, I think then, it, you know, it sounds like it, it's one of those things like you have a thorn in your paw. Like it, it would be... It would be silly for us to, t- to, to think, well, I've got this thorn in my paw. I should, I should learn how to walk differently so I don't put any pressure on it. I think you got to get it out. And, and I think that you would find a lot of, a lot of solace in, in just his blood sugar management being sta- more stable, in your opinion. Yes. And so I think that's got to be the, I think that's got to be the short-term focus. And, and I think that it's not, it's not that incredibly difficult. I know I, I sound... I sound like a <laughs> jackass saying that out loud, but it's incredibly difficult when you're in your position a year into it. But at some point, it's not incredibly difficult. Um, and so, how do you kind of fast forward past this part and get into the spot where it? So, are you seeing? Like, do you see trends? Like, when his blood sugar gets high, do you expect it to be high, or do you test and go, "Wow, I can't believe it's two fifty? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. All right. I would tell you that at this point, if I ask, even without the Dexcom, when Arden tests her blood sugar, she she, she loves to go, guess what it's going to be? She's oh. a big fan of guess what it's going <laughs> to be. I come within five points of her blood sugar more often than not when I guess what it's going to be. Wow. Because I know where I expect it to be. And, and 
the steps I've taken have gotten me. You guys should take that show on the road. Enough to yeah, great. (laughs) In a circus, maybe. Um, And so, but I think that more people. Here's what I think about. First of all, online is fantastic because you can find people who are like-minded, and that's great for support. You can find people who might have great advice for you, which can help you fast forward from where you are now to where they are. That's amazing. The downside of online is it attracts mostly new people to the, di- the, to the diabetes world. So okay. a lot of the conversations you hear are all very similar to yours, which is good in one way and right. bad in another way. It's good in one way because you find camaraderie. It's bad because you think this is how it is. Yeah. Everybody has this problem. Everyone's blood sugars jump around. Every, the problem is, is that the people who have already figured it out, with the exception of me and a few other people <laughs> who are running blogs, have gone back to their regular lives. They figured it out, and now they're not busy worrying about diabetes anymore. You know, if, if it wasn't for my blog and for this, this podcast, I, I would say the word diabetes far less than I do now. Um, I would tell you that Arden got up this morning and her blood sugar was, well, I was up before her. Her blood sugar was 150 and it was creeping up. I gave her a bunch of insulin and I thought I'm going to get it down before she leaves the house. She left the house around 745 is when she was going to leave, except at 740. I looked at her Dexcom before she was going to go out the door and it had question marks on it. It had completely given up. I realized the sensor had been on for over two weeks. So I said to her, hey, you're going to be a couple minutes late for school. We're going to switch your Dexcom. We ripped one off and ripped and put the new one right back on. I clicked it in. We set it up. I said, Hey, set it, set an alarm on your phone for 45 minutes from now. I want you to test then because we still had insulin going. Mm-hmm. She tested then her blood sugar was 138. I said, okay, set another alarm passed when, you know, the, the um, CGM would be warmed up and ready to get going again. She tested again. She was 132. She was 95 before lunch. And now she is, her blood sugar is actually shooting up right now. And I've texted her uh, to, um, to give herself some insulin. And, and that's sort of like the beginning and the end of it. I don't think about it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you won't either one day. But we need to get you to that spot sooner, not later. And, mm-hmm. and I think that from hearing you talk and listening to what's important to you, I think that giving you some like basic steps. Um, so I think we should spend the rest of our time trying to do that right now. If, okay. if you don't mind, like, like, I think it was really cool. You, you reached out and you were like, look, I, sometimes I see people having like such an easy time of it. And I think I'm not having an easy time. <laughs> and why do we never talk about that? And I think it is great that you want to talk about it because uh, y- there's nothing that's happening to you that didn't happen to me. And I would assume that there's nothing that's happening to you that didn't happen to everybody else whose kids were diagnosed. Um, I think what's happening to you is very normal. It's part of a process. It's a sucky, long process. Um, And I think that, you know, in my world, just I tried not to give into it until I could find the, this, you know, the kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, So why don't we try to give you, it took me two years to find the light. Let's not make you wait another year. (laughs) Sounds good. So I think that I can tell you this. That Arden used to use Novolog. And when we used Novolog and we added a CGM, I could see that even when I was pre-bolusing, her blood sugar was shooting up after meals. It would get really high. And then I decided to use more insulin, which only made it get a little less high and then super low, like an hour and 45 minutes later. Uh And so that wasn't the answer. And I did struggle with that for a while because now I could see the spikes on the Dexcom, which is nice when you understand it. I don't mean understand it. It's nice when you're, when you're more aware of how to control the spikes. But when you're unaware of it, they're terrible to look at. Like yeah. It's just a, a constant reminder. Look, I screwed that up. You know, I didn't do that right. So luckily, I saw somebody else who talked about using a different insulin. So I switched to an insulin called a Pedra, and I found less spikes. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this insulin's better for my daughter than the other one was. So it's not to say that Humalog's not good. Humalog works great for some people. But there's also Novolog and Apidra, and there's other insulins. So mm-hmm. is it possible that one of them would be better for you? Maybe. Um, but I would start first with controlling the kind of food intake that's happening and, and you know, utilizing 
pre-bolusing, utilizing, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff. Like, you know, you can, if, if you know it's a carb-heavy thing, like you said he would pick up French toast at the beginning of the show, you mentioned French toast. Yeah. If Arden's going to have French toast, and, and let's say I can count those carbs perfectly, and I know this French toast is 55 carbs, there's no way I would just give Arden 55 carbs for French toast. I would double her basal rate probably for an hour. I would pre-bolus. I'd probably bolus more like 70 carbs than 50. I would I would push the insulin. I'd be really bold with the insulin and push it because I've seen French toast before and I know what happens. Uh-huh. And when I count French toast carbs properly, it never works out. So obviously that's not the best way to do it. So I just add more. So maybe the first time I just added a unit and maybe that didn't work. So the next time I doubled her basil. So her basil goes from 0.45 an hour to 0.9 an hour. So there's another, you know, there's another 0.45 or a half of unit plus the extra, you know, unit and just, you have a Dexcom. So this is not great. This is not a great advice for, for somebody who, who can't see their blood sugar in real time, but you can. So, Stop worrying about the carbs and start worrying about what's happening. You use the carbs as a base, you know what I mean? But like tonight, if you were going to sit down and make a plate of French toast for him for dinner and he had had that for breakfast and, and at breakfast, his blood sugar went to 300, well, and it took a unit and a half of insulin, say, to bring him back down, I would just give him the unit and a half of insulin up front mm-hmm. because that's obviously what happened in the past. And if you're wildly wrong about this for some reason, the Dexcom will tell you if you're falling too fast and you right. can do something about it. Yeah, I, I've heard you recently talking about um, increasing basils, and I I have not done much of that. I feel like that's amazing that it just occurs to you to do that. <laughs> I wish that it was starting to occur to me to um, use the basils more than I do on the temporary settings. Yeah, because you understand what's going on. I mean, you've been with it for a year, so you understand the pump. You know how the insulin works. You've mm-hmm. seen you've seen what happens when it works and when it doesn't work. To me, it, it stops being about diabetes at that point, and it becomes more about your own common sense, which I've spoken to you a number of times. You you obviously have. So so like if I was standing in front of a dam and a leak burst. <laughs> And it hit me in the face. I'd put my hand up and stop it from hitting me in the face. If another leak burst, I'd pick up my other hand and stop that leak. Now, if a third leak burst, I wouldn't just let it hit me in the face. Like, I'd figure something else out to do. I'd turn my arm sideways. I would do, like, I, I wouldn't just, I, I think it's a, it's a terrible example. My, 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 they're usually better than that. But, but, but I think that what happens is, is that when something goes wrong, it's very easy to say like, well, this is what the doctor said, or this is what the pump said to do or blah, blah, blah. So it didn't work. But I say, screw that. I say, figure out what, what makes sense. And to be perfectly honest, this is just, this is just a scales thing. There's insulin on one side and there's carbs on the other. If your blood sugar gets too high, you don't have enough insulin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very simple. And if your blood sugar gets too high because you ate a plate full of sugar, um, and, a, and a loaf of bread, well, technically you didn't have enough insulin, but moreover, you made a bad decision about what you're going to eat. And, and so, so make slightly better decisions about the food. And if your blood sugar is getting high, you don't have enough insulin. And just push until you get to where you want to be. You, you know, and don't wait. Don't wait when the blood sugar is going up. He eats... You bol- you pre bolus at twelve thirty. He eats at twelve fifty, and by one thirty, his blood sugar is straight up. It's one hundred and ninety straight up. You didn't use enough insulin. Mm-hmm. Do not wait three hours. Mm-hmm. And now's a great time, by the way, to say that nothing you hear on the Juice Box <laughs> podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always speak to a doctor before making changes to your diabetes regimen. Um, so anyway, um, that's not enough insulin. You obviously didn't use enough insulin. Right. If 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 uh, you cut your leg and put a Band-Aid on and it keeps bleeding, you haven't closed the cut. Do something else. Like keep going. Don't wait. Don't wait three hours to see if the blood clots on its own. Push it together with your hands. Uh, <laughs> make some mud, pat it over top of it. Like get creative. And and that's something I'm not scared to tell you about because you have a glucose monitor. Right. So just use more. Um, if, if you have crazy lows afterwards, that's when I'd start thinking that insulin's not right for me. Yeah. Because if I'm using enough insulin to control the high, but it is consistently 
ending in a low, then maybe this insulin's not right for me. And, and other people might tell you, well, maybe you didn't have a, a correct you know, blending of fats and protein and everything in, in your meal. I don't think that's bad information. I'm just not the person to give that kind of information to you. And at the same time, I would say that in a real life, everyday world, I can't make sure every meal that my daughter eats is perfectly balanced so that right. that's not going to happen. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and so, I mean, d- d- does that make sense to you? Absolutely. It, you have a way of explaining things like I'm a two-year-old. Well, <laughs> here, here's the real thing is I'm an idiot. So when I explain <laughs> it, that's the, that's really, I, what you're hearing is the, the, that's the ceiling of my intellect right there. And, uh, and that's, that's why it's coming all across. Like, I think that doctors spend too much time saying words that make us nervous, like bolus and basal and do this and insulin action time. You don't want to, you don't want to bolus again until the insulin action time is cleared. What? <laughs> My kid's blood sugar is 250 and it's going up. Right. Yeah, but we want to wait and see what the insulin does. I said, I already see what the food's doing. You, you know, like, like I don't care what the, the insulin's not working. Or it's not enough. I need something. I can do something. And it's funny because sometimes, say, say, say Arden's, like I said, Arden's basal rate's 0.45. Doubling it for an hour is sometimes much more effective than just adding another half a unit of insulin. Mm-hmm. And so even that is, um, you know, when people talk about highs in the mornings, like, you know, this morning, like I said, Arden's blood sugar was like 150 and it was going up and I gave her some insulin. Um, I gave her like a half a unit. I thought, oh, this will bump it. But then a half an hour later at like seven o'clock, it was, it had gone up further. It was like 185. And then I doubled her basal rate and bolused. Mm-hmm. And then I got a fall. Like, like, like it's, you, you know, there's so many different, like you said in the beginning, there are so many different aspects to this whole thing. And you never know when you're making the right decision. Like, because there's so many forces coming in from the outside, like this morning is Arden dehydrated. Probably she was asleep all night long. Right. So maybe I could have got her up and had her drink four or five ounces of water. And the insulin I gave her at the first would have worked, except she was sleeping and I still don't want her blood sugar to be 190. So I just pushed more insulin thinking we could stop it with food or, or, or carbs when she woke up. Um, and then after that, I, 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 after you figure that out at home for yourself, I think I know he's only six, but I'm starting to think more and more that the less interaction with a nurse at school, the better. <laughs> like, like I'm starting to think that if you have the possibility of seeing the blood sugar remotely and you can contact a child who has enough maturity and wherewithal to handle what you're talking about, like taking other people out of the loop is, is, is important at some point. And that's just an alarm for me to like pay attention to Arden's blood sugar. I think it's important because it, it takes away gaps of time and waiting you, you know, or, I mean, because you, you talked about it earlier when, when his, his nurse is like, Oh, he was like two fifty. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm not, everything's fine. I'm not going to do anything. If he was two fifty and you knew it, you'd be doing something about it. Right. Right. And, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to that time when I am able, I, you know, I lately I've been wishing that I had a remote for his, his uh, pump that would go from, I live right next to a school. Like I want to <laughs> be able to give him insulin from home because I can see it. Um, and, you know, part of the problem is I don't know when we will be able to um, adopt that, you know, texting strategy because he missed so much class time last year that he's now in reading recovery. Yeah. You know, he's behind. So, well, so maybe there is, I, there was a, there was another mom that, and we're so close to an hour, but there was another mom who reached out to me recently and she was like, I don't have any good, like, she's like, I want to do what you're doing, but my kid's not quite old enough yet, like you just said. Yeah. And I'd love to, I, I, you know, can you give me some ideas about how to do it with a younger kid? And I said, I need you to get on the podcast and talk it through with me because I don't have a younger kid anymore. Like, I need you to, I need you to tell me what's going wrong so we can troubleshoot it together. Right. I don't know if she's going to do it or not. She seemed kind of trepidatious. But the first thing I thought of when I thought about that idea was, okay, he's too, your six-year-old's too young for you to text and say, give yourself insulin. But... Is he too young for you to text and say, you need to go to the nurse now? And I think that's it. Like, all you need is the ability to tap him on the shoulder and say, go to the nurse. Right. And and that's something you wouldn't even have to leave your... Can you hear Basil barking by any chance? I'm so sorry. Basil, please, podcasting. Unbelievable. We're doing something here. Well, the strategy that I've tried for this year so far, it's not great yet, but I've given our nurse a phone that's just so that she can 
watch on the Dexcom and get alerts. Right. Um, and so she has access to that, but it's changing her mindset about the numbers. Ah. That is what needs to happen because she knows exactly what I know. You know, right now he's actually around 300. Right. Um, and I, you know, it's, I could call her and say, could you get him up there? But she has it too. So I just need to work with her on how to, how to attack these higher numbers okay. during the day. So I'll tell you what that here's what that tells me, right? That tells me that you could make a short-term plan with her. Say, look, I know that every time I tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, it's time to do something about this blood sugar, it's going to be irritating. But I bet you it only takes us two weeks before we get into a real rhythm and we don't have to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just say we're going to do this for a couple of weeks till you catch on to what I'm trying. Basil, please. Very important <laughs> diabetes conversation right now. You know he's barking at a shoe or something plastic. Basil, what do you like? It's a shoe. And so he's scared of the shoe. So, um, and so that would be, to me, that sounds like a, a reasonable thing. She's already very willing to help you. She's got, you have an ability to contact her. So every time, you know, I want something to happen, I text her and I go, look, right now he needs insulin now. Like, like either go get him or go walk to the class and do it. But can he bolus himself? Like if you were talking to him in class, would he be able to do it himself? No, not, not yet. yet. Okay. He tests himself in the room, but he's not ready to bolus. That's absolutely fine. So then she con contacts him. Maybe you even, maybe you even get a situation where the teacher understands how to give a bolus. And maybe that's the loop for now. Like, you know, it's a little convoluted, but at least it's in the moment. Hey, nurse, he needs an, a unit of insulin. She calls down and says to the teacher, bolus a unit. Right. And, and, that, and that way, because that's really, that's, that's how Arden's blood sugar stays, where it's, oh my God, Basil, this is inconscionable. <laughs> and so that's how Arden does it, right? So because it's moment to moment, because there's no big gaps of time, because the worst thing that can happen is that her blood sugar starts shooting up and I go, Ooh, you know, do something now. And then we stop it. So do you get a spike yet? Yeah, we're going to get a spike today. Like I start off by telling you how proud I was of my lunch bolus, but her blood sugar is 200 right now. And there was a 10 minute gap while she was at gym where I couldn't reach her that I watched her blood sugar go from like 180, like, like 150 to 200. And I was texting her, but I knew she wasn't going to hear it. So she just got out of gym. I just got a very terse what. It's weird <laughs> that you can see terse in a text message. <laughs> but it was a what. And I said, bolus this much. And she said, okay. And now we're back to it. So does it suck that her blood sugar jumped up? It does. But it only jumped up for a half an hour. And I will have it back. But she'll be home in an hour and 15 minutes. And it'll be okay by the time she gets home. But if I wait until the end of the day for the bus, her blood sugar is going to keep going up and up and right. up and up. And, and I think that a lot of the anxiety you're feeling at the moment, it seems to me, is that you're watching it go up. You know you should be doing something and you feel like you can't do anything about it. I'm telling you, I think you can do something about okay. it. I think that there's a very simple plan that you could put in place. I don't need to tell you what it is. I think you work it out between yourself and her. But I think there's a very simple plan you could put in place to put an end to this. And if you feel weird going in there and talking to her, then I would speak, is she a mother? Yes. Yeah, I would speak to her on that level. I would say, look, you gotta understand, I am watching this happen, and not only is it horrible for his health, but I am I am being impacted psychologically by my okay. inability to act. You really, I know it's a little extra work, but I, I, need you to, I need you to get me on this. Let's do it together. And I promise it, it won't take long. We'll find a better rhythm and it won't be intrusive. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, then just use the art of negotiation, say something like that. Then don't say anything else. Okay. And then she'll say, okay, because what's she going to say? No, I want you to be sad, right? You're going to win that one. It's easy. And so, um, and I, I think, I think that's a good step. I would love to hear back from, I would love for you to do that today. And then I'd love to hear back from you like in two weeks and see how you're feeling. I really would. And this dog you can have, by the way. Um, Even like little dogs. No, thank you. My big dog is sitting here sleeping very peacefully. Well, so is my. <laughs> and I have two dogs. Indy is just laying there. He's like a giant lump. He's furniture, basically, that poops in the yard. And, and the little one is mostly takes his stride and, and stays mellow. But every once in a while, like, he sees something. And I'm just like, it's been there. It's been there all day. Like, how are you barking at it now? Like, I can't wait to go in that other room and see what he's doing. It's got, it's a shoe. I guarantee it's going to be a shoe. Um, nevertheless, do you feel any better? 
Oh, n- absolutely. Do you really? Oh, no, I do. Okay. I, I mean, having nothing's better than having things you can take into action, right? I mean, yeah. that's what you need. And so I've got some ideas, and I am. I think I may just go talk to that nurse today. Yeah, so. why not? I, 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 it's going to make you feel better. It re- and, and I think that this is one of those situations where if you and I would have spoke like this prior to the summer, I think that summer would have went the way you wanted it to. And oh. so why not like, just to, like, like if I'm you, I measure in my head and I say, if I, if I handle this thing with a nurse and I change my, my kind of way I attack a higher blood sugar and, and be a little more forceful, like I, you know, I call it bold with insulin, like it'd be a little more bolder with the insulin, lean on the Dexcom a little more. Mm-hmm. It's easier to, it's easier to stop a low or a falling blood sugar than it is to affect a high blood sugar. Especially for a kid who loves sweets, right? And, and <laughs> you don't and, have that as much as and, I do. And not just yeah, Arden's not a sweets person, but but not but even but right. uh, not just the affecting of it. Yeah. A falling blood sugar wow. can be stopped in a couple of minutes. A three hundred blood sugar takes wow. hours to get back down again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 and so I kind of I say to you, use those couple of just basic ideas, push forward, and I bet you're in a different situation by Christmas morning. Like I really do. Like I think it's it's a couple of months from now, but you can see a huge difference just making a couple of little adjustments. So if you want to reach out personally after the podcast, I'd be happy to talk to you about it more. Or if you know along the way you have questions, um, when it's just you and I talking and we don't put it on iTunes, it doesn't have to be considered advice. I can just talk to you. Okay. So um, I think that's it. I thank really you, do. Scott. No, thank you very much. I um, was really thrilled that you reached out. I think that, that your uh, willingness to talk openly about being sad, for the lack of a better word, is uh, what the online community is really about. And this, what you're doing is really people helping people and, uh, and uh, without the dog barking. Um, but, but I'm proud of you because th- it's not easy to do. You, you know, it's not easy to say out loud that I have, you know, not only am I sad and anxiety, but I'm angry at diabetes and and uh, it's making me miss my life. Um, mm-hmm. That's things that everyone feels and, and not a lot of people have the bravery to say out loud. So if you can do that, you can call the nurse. Okay, all right. Makes sense? All right. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Scott. Bye. <laughs> Take care. Thank you very much to Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen, whichever player you are listening in, um, please subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some interviews with some great people. A girl in her 20s who's had type 1 as a child. woman in her 50s who was diagnosed with type 1 in her 50s. I'm going to sit down and talk uh, by myself about uh, some of the steps I've taken to get Arden's A1C to come down. Talking about uh, health and, and how caregivers need to take better care of themselves. And tell you a couple stories about things that have been going on around here. Be a Dexcom G5 episode where I'll do a first look at the Dexcom G5 and other such things. Thank you very much for listening. Please tell a friend, please subscribe. Until next week, I'm Scott.